dope. Hey guys, Three in History. Today we are talking to David Grosset, who is both an author and Arizona historian. Tonight we will talk about everything and anything and enjoy the great conversation. I want to let you know that David has a website, which is D-A-V-I-D-G-R-A-S-S-E dot com. You can go ahead and check that out and learn a little bit more about him as we are going to do tonight. And remember to visit our Instagram page and website by going to our Facebook page, facebook.com backslash three in history. And reach out to us by emailing three in history at gmail.com. That's T H R E E in history at gmail.com. And Twitter at three in history uh, one. And remember, you can find us by searching nerdybones.podbean.com and search under three in history. We can be found on Amazon Music, Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else you can listen to your podcast. And now I would like to introduce you to us and our great conversation. So uh, welcome to the studio again, guys. I'm, I feel fortunate to have a, I would call a good friend of mine, and his name's David. Why don't you say hello? Hello. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, this was a long time coming. I, I've been, uh, you know, been uh, in your ear about recording with me for as long as I've had the studio. And, uh, like, uh, I, w- I would like to start, like, uh, do you remember when you and I met? Do you remember the first time we met each other? Um, no. See, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I know a lot of... Well, see, going, uh, the reason... Going to Comic-Cons and uh, um, Comic-Cons and through the Steampunk group, and I know just sort of like so many people are going through my life, and one of, you know, one of the people I... One of the people who kind of actually... People either stick or they don't. Mm-hmm. So you stuck. <laughs> well, yeah, that's a good quality, man. I'm sticky. But, uh... He does stick very well. <laughs> but like my very first memory of hanging out with David is I I went to Jocelyn's house. Oh yeah. Because I uh I she had uh and, and, you know brought me into the Tucson Steampunk Society group and uh, we were talking about uh, the very first uh, Dickens Tea Party and I was like well, I had just discovered steampunk. And like I joined all the Facebook pages and stuff like that, and then Madame Askew reaches out to me, and I'm like, "Who's this crazy lady?" <laughs> and, you know, the great thing is that she ended up living not even a mile from my house. Oh, and you as well. Yeah, actually, Jocelyn's really cool. And in fact, I met her um, originally. She had another vice president in the group. That's and right. They had come come to me for. Um, they wanted to do, oh, they're, we were doing a tombstone thing, and I was running, I was in a reenactment group, and nice. a Western reenactment group at the time, doing some work and stuff like that. And she wanted to know if we could, like, pool our forces to do a parade a parade float at uh, the Hell Dorado days. And, oh, the know, Hell Dorado days. Cool. Yeah, yeah, I started hanging out with her, and next thing I know, the other, old vice president, one of those things where, you know, groups split up and split up and split up, and people get angry at each other. Next thing I know, I'm vice president of the Tucson Steampunk <laughs> Society, and I'm like, okay, I don't know how that exactly happened. I'm not really particularly steampunk. I mean, I like the Victorian era, obviously, and yeah. all that kind of thing. Um, probably just the way I dress or whatever, and so... Next thing I'm like the vice president of this I know, group. yeah. It's so crazy. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, so I had my, you guys have seen my steampunk costumes. David's seen them all. Oh, we get a lot of them at work because um, we have oh, a whole, yeah, we have a whole section. That. I work at Hobby Lobby and we get a lot oh. of, we have a huge section that's <laughs> like oh. for like, like uh, steampunk people and they come in and they get like the jewelry and, and the crafts and stuff to make their costumes and or garb or, or however you want to say it. Um, and so we see a lot of them in there and it's, it's, it's pretty cool to learn the different things that people are into and, um, see how they grow with that. Cause some people come in there and they're new to it and other people have been doing it for a long time and they kind of bond over that. It's pretty cool. Oh, for sure. Like, uh, <clears throat> w- 
that actually makes my point. What I was just gonna say, I love you. Always do this to me. Yay! <laughs> but, <laughs> but, uh, like uh, I, you know, like I was putting together my steampunk costumes. I didn't have the skill to like craft a lot of stuff. You know, so I was like super proud of that one that I, I don't know if you remember the one I had. I had the bronze shoulder pad and. Oh, yeah. oh I saw yeah. that. That's pretty yeah, cool. I like yeah. that. And, you know, and I was wearing that, and I forget what event it might have been. Like, how many comic cons have we been together? Together to you know, like. Oh, yeah. I, I think I started going. To, I've been to him since the first one, and quit going after I moved up here. So right. six or seven of them at least. Yeah, I mean, well, oh, to wow. get, the us, ones in San Diego or the no, ones? No, no, here, here. Oh, they have them here. Oh, I've yeah, only yeah. I, I know the one in New York and San Diego, yeah. and the one in San Diego is yeah, huge. Well, we had a we had a we actually had a booth at the Comic Con. Really? Yeah, me and David would hang out. People walk, people would walk up and take. Dude, you're pictures making of my them. nerd person like That's super happy point. right now. That's the whole point. So. <laughs> 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 Long story short, short story long, but I was getting her as like my costume. I was like so fucking proud of, and I come walking up to David. I'm like, "You motherfucker!" <laughs> he's all, he's all dressed to the nines. <laughs> I know. Well, he's the one that taught me about uh, pocket watches and fobs and stuff like that. Like, uh, you remember that time we went to the antique store together? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah I, I because really, I think the reason I ended up the vice president is because I looked this way like twenty four seven. Well, that's just that's you. You know, it's just, just you. Yeah, I, I, well, look at him. He's wearing a fucking. He's wearing a waistcoat and a nice button-up shirt. Come on, yeah. <laughs> it looks nicer than we do. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, well, it started out. I had. I realized I had this closet full of clothes, two sets of clothes. I from doing stunt work for so often. I didn't I know that. and doing, and then I had all this. And one day I was looking at my closet, going, "Why do I have all these clothes? I need to get rid of some of them." So the jeans and the t-shirts went. Yeah, yeah. I was actually nice. more comfortable with that. <laughs> David, you didn't tell me you were a stunt man. Um, yeah, I worked at a trail desk town for a while with oh, Jerry Wood. Really? Um, and uh, when he first started the stunt group out there, I also worked in Tombstone with the Territorial Troopers. And nice. yeah, I've been shot more feet. times than I care to think about. So, <laughs> how am I? How am I just now hearing about this, David? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I wasn't uh, inquiring enough to find out. Or well, it's funny because we live right by um, Trail Dust Town, and yeah. we can when the um, shows oh, go do. off, right. we, we can we can hear, can hear the gunfire and, and the yeah. train going off and everything right by our house. So if it's quiet enough, you can hear all that. Well, you were doing a uh, quick draw competitions for a while, weren't you? Yeah, I did that, that for a while, and uh, um, yeah, I mean, I've been doing this. You know, I, I grew up in Arizona. My, I'm always saying my. My great-grandfather built the Methodist Church in Bisbee. His first assignment coming to Arizona was Tombstone. And this was when the Albert Stiles gang was still robbing trains. Uh, oh, wow. Um, John Slaughter was still there. I mean, the Arizona Rangers, he probably knew all these guys because he was, you know, a preacher in a town. And so, and it's just, and then growing up, in Tucson, you know, my dad, when I was a kid, he goes, well, what do you want to do for your birthday? I was like, old Tucson or Tombstone. Oh, nice. <laughs> and, you know, and I came on that tail end of the, that with the, what was probably the downside of the big Western era that was on television and in movies. And, you know, by the 1970s, had gone to the alt-Westerns, you know, the sort of like Butch Cassidy, the Sundance Kid, and McCabe and Mrs. Miller, the ones that were a little different and a little bit 
edgier. You know, Clint Eastwood never never was really he's, a good. He's guy my anymore. favorite. Clint's my yeah, favorite. Yeah, sort of that gray area, unlike John Wayne, and so, <laughs> like that. And so it's a, yeah, it's a, you know, in family history between family history, I'm actually related to one of the guys who was in the Pleasant Valley feud and survived it. A guy named Jim Roberts, who went on to become the city marshal of Jerome, oh, and. Wow. Uh, um, actually, I have a good story, a true story, family story I've heard for years. I looked it up, and it turns out it's true. He was well into his 60s when they made him the city marshal of Clarksdale. And he was, Arizona, I think it was the second bank robbery in Arizona, may have been the third. Um, and these two guys hit the bank in Clarksdale, and they're driving one of these newfangled automobiles. And <laughs> newfangled. That was blazing and jump in the car. And as they're going down the street, they're just firing pot shots out the windows. And um, unfortunately, they made the serious mistake of taking a shot at Roberts. Roberts was on his way home to have dinner with or lunch with the wife, which he did every day. I mean, Clarksdale was not a busy place. It was, you know, his his duties were you know fairly mundane. They take a shot at him. And the car goes speeding by. He steps out in the street, and he never he never wore a gun belt. He wore a Colt's revolver and a shoulder holster. He pulls out the gun, takes aim, and puts one right through the back window of the car, splatters the driver's brains all over the windshield. Oh, that's so oh wow. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, guys, you know, you're the passenger, you got to be like, oh, shit. You know? <laughs> Well, like you gotta, you gotta put yourself in that. Like I love you said that. Like the passenger's shoes. Like they're getting away. They're getting away. And then boom. They're, yeah. Then you're just like, oh no, I am not getting away with this. I am so screwed. Dude, like I've been next to people that got hit by a water balloon, and that shit was traumatic. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is definitely a little bit more tense than a water. But you balloon. get what I'm saying, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> Like, I wonder what that would sound like, uh, you know, because uh, the round fire, uh, the round travels faster than the sound from the round. It's probably going to sound like a watermelon exploding. I'm curious about that. Cause, yes. like, you something, know, they, something along those lines. They always say you don't hear the one that gets you. Well, of course you yeah. don't. Your head exploded. It's one of those old Colt 45 bullets, which is oh. black powder. It's traveling fairly slowly. Mm. And so when he hits this guy, it's just sort of his head just probably went pop. <laughs> and the guy next to him freaks out. The car crashes. Knocks out the passenger. Robert's seat belt. So the passenger got knocked out. The passenger got knocked out in the crowd. Yeah, crack? knocked oh. out the wall. And um, you know they walk up there. They they arrest the one guy and send for a morgue. Send the other one to the morgue. And he still goes home after all this is done to clean up the mess. He goes home to the wife and apologizes <laughs> for being late for lunch. <laughs> you know what? You, you know what I call it? Why until the next day when she reads it in the newspaper? You know what I? You know what I call that? That's gang that's gangster shit. He's like, I had to, ex- <laughs> I had to explode this dude's head real quick yeah. before I come So uh, <laughs> we our last episode we just did a Civil War surgery and we talked a lot about their tools and their weaponry. And in particular they used what was it, the fifty eight caliber mini ball? Is that what it was? Fifty eight caliber? Oh, yeah. oh I I'm not I don't remember. I, I think that's what it was. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, and and this is like soft lead that it was used what what with uh it was created what they called uh drip forging. Have you seen that? Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> you know, I remember like oh, ta- yeah. I remember talking about it on the episode and like uh, thinking to myself like nobody's gonna have any idea what I'm talking about, but you know David gets it. <laughs> but you know uh, what I was getting at is that, what I was getting at is it's a slow moving projectile that has an immense an immense amount of mass and then when it hits it spreads out. Oh yeah. So that like the damage done to the body was like particular. Oh yeah, oh yeah. That that damage was it damage that's not really 
um, I'm trying to say feasible, uh, feasible more <laughs> like it is what I'm trying to say. Like, like it's the damage is so so extensive that you can't really come back from it. Right. That's what that's what you know you were talking about it with it um, being so damaging that they had to remove the limbs. That when they pulled that and, kid's finger off. Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> yeah, just because the the masses from the the damage from the bullet is, yeah. is just tears through the arteries and and tissue and bone yeah. and everything to where they had to just totally remove the limb itself using hammers. Yeah, hammers. Yeah, they did, <laughs> and uh, that makes my brain go back to uh, a couple of the Bonnie and Clyde shootouts. Like, oh, yeah. uh, I'm sure David, you have a working knowledge of that. Uh, there was one particular spot I forget where it was at, uh, but the 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 what was their gang's name? They had a specific name. I can't remember. Which one? Barrow, Barrow, or? Barrow Gang. Barrow Gang. Five Barrow, yeah. Yeah, so they were uh, at this hotel, more or less, and the, the cops knew they were there, and they kind of, like, rolled up on them. And uh, this one particular cop pulls up to this spot and opens it up, and they when this, when this uh, door opens, I forget which guy it was, opens up with a forty-five caliber machine gun. Oh, my gosh. And, you know, and that was rare at the time. Well, uh, yeah. Well, actually, I actually listened to a recording of what a forty-five caliber machine gun is like compared to like the guns that the cops had at the time, like it's insane. Like the cops have pop, 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 and then you hear, yeah. But uh, this guy pulls up and they fire through the engine block and it goes through and hits him in the leg. Yeah, it had enough power to go through an engine block and hit this guy in the leg. Damn. <laughs> and he gets out and runs away and the whole thing is the guy told the story. He's like, I, I survived a battle with Bonnie and Clyde. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, those old. The, actually, you could buy a Thompson machine gun without a license or anything else through the Sears Roebuck catalog up until about the 1930s. Isn't that uh, crazy? People like John, Bonnie and Clyde, who they decided after and Al Capone and that whole gangster area era when they decided, okay, maybe we shouldn't sell these to the public. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> what, one of my favorite like random ass factoids about Bonnie and Clyde is a uh, Clyde. I think at the age of 19. He was in prison, and he was—I forget the name of the spot—but it's like it's infamous for just being hard. They like literally bolt rocks to your legs and shit like that. So he went out of his way and had another inmate cut his pinky toe off to get out of labor. The next day, he was pardoned. Ha! Uh, that's what you get, dumb dumb. <laughs> and when he walked with a limp the rest of his life. Well, yeah, think but, about it. Well, that it. was about a year and a half. But... <laughs> yeah, it was funny though. Those, those old gangsters. I mean, are. Actually, the bank robbers, not so much the gangsters. Bank like, robbers are really kind yeah. of a difference because, like, you had the, you know, people like Lucky Luciano, Al Capone, and those Lucky guys. Lucky Lucy. Who yeah. were, you know, who were basically running, you know, they were mobsters. And then you had, like, these wild cards like Dillinger and Bonnie and Clyde and Pretty Boy Floyd who were just out robbing banks, you know, <laughs> and I mean, making a career out of it. And uh, well, that's, why, that's why they make movies about it because it's cool as yeah. fuck. Yeah. <laughs> their careers. Were very short-lived. Uh, John Dillinger, from the time he got out of prison and got, kind of got killed, was like 19 months. Bonnie he, and Clyde was like two years. And, and Dillinger was here out. at the hotel, wasn't that's, that's he? Yeah, the the, the hotel yeah. uh, um, Congress? Yeah, Congress, yeah. yeah. Is, is yeah, that where they caught him? Yeah, oh. yeah. They, actually, he wasn't caught. In, his gang, it was just a weird fluke. His gang was staying at the hotel. He was actually at a motor court down on what is now 6th Street. And That's cool. um, but the the top floor of the uh, Congress Hotel caught on fire. Nobody, it wasn't them. 
It just was a random occurrence. Wow. And so they evacuated the building, and as they were evacuating the building, they asked, they paid the firemen in cash to go up and rescue their luggage. Which I, nice. remember, I remember hearing that. Yeah, yeah. I remember hearing that. And, so, and actually, Dillinger was, was staying at a moved from a motor court he was at to a house, I believe it's on 3rd Street or 4th Street, it's still there, and that's where they actually caught him, he was he was visiting a friend at the time, and yeah, they came and they came and, and he, his, his thing, he goes, I never thought I'd get caught in a podunk place like <laughs> like, <laughs> like, one of the funny things is like, everybody that know, that's known me for more than a day knows that I'm a serial killer nerd yeah. and I, I went through and researched like serial killers in Tucson Don, John Dillinger came up, but he wasn't a serial killer. That's not how he would be classified. No, no, not at all. The the only one that we have here in Tucson that fits the list, his name was John Schmidt. You ever hear of that guy? Yeah, he had a nickname, didn't he? The... Oh, damn it. I should have wrote that. I didn't, I didn't think I was going to bring this up. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it was the Pipe Piper of Tucson. That was it, yeah. Yeah, the Pipe Piper of Tucson. Oh, I haven't yeah. heard of that. Yeah, well, what his M.O. was he'd pick up girls on Speedway. This was in the 30s, like 32. I have heard of that, actually. Yeah. yeah. He, well, he, he, so Speedway was kicking back then, then too. Fuck yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> so in the '30s, basically, uh, you know where Lucky Wishbone is? Yeah. That was the edge of town. That's, really? That, that's why that that blinking light was there for so many generations. You know that light. Would go, Poof. Oh yeah, the, the light that gets Poof. every stoner up, that there is out there. If you grew up in Tucson, you've seen that light. Oh yeah. It, it just, Poof. And you know, and it's like because you can well, see. Well, we knew that because it's by Rincon, and it's like yeah. every time we'd be going to school, we'd see that light. Yeah. So his MO is he, he would pick up. Sorry. sorry. Say that, David. Say it again, David. I'm sorry. I wonder sorry. how many epileptic fits that caused. Uh, you know what's funny? Is I used to say that in high school, too. I was like, how many people does this really get? Well, maybe, that's why it's not, maybe that's why it's not there. Yeah, how many car accidents happened because somebody had an epileptic fit and drove? You know? Yeah. <laughs> and that damn lucky wishbone light. No, it, was basically a, it was basically a strobe light. It was because uh, yeah. it did do like, do, 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 boom. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Schmitty, his whole thing is he would uh, pick up girls on Speedway and then take them out to Sabino Canyon and uh, rape them and smash their, he smash their head in with a rock. Wow. Yeah. I've never heard of that one. That's yeah. crazy. I don't know the full total of victims, but proven four. And, wow. uh, and he was uh, the, one of the crazy things is uh, by today's standards, he would be referred to as what's called a greaser. Greaser? A greaser. Like, he had his hair all... Like, you know... What, oh, he was they, a hot they, rod they, guy. He yeah, was a yeah, hot yeah, rod yeah, guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know what you're talking about. He was about. a hot rod guy. And, well, uh, like, James Dean type yeah, style. Yeah, yeah. And uh, his thing is... I don't know why. This is, was just his thing. Is he... With lipstick, black lipstick, he would draw... He would put a little mole under his left cheek. And that was his thing. Weird. Like, he had a little lipstick spot on his... To, like, make a fake mole. <laughs> I thought that was a girl thing. <laughs> This guy killed. This guy killed people. Are you are you like trying to rationalize what he did? Like, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> well, there's trying a... to get an understanding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, like uh, on the next episode, uh, on my next episode of uh, Three in History, I'm going to cover Richard Chase. That one's going to be fucking crazy because that was the guy that was convinced his rib cage was in backwards. So yeah. Yeah, he, he's already showing us some of it last night, and I was looking at it. And I'm like trying to make sense of it. I'm like, why am I trying to make sense of something that was someone from schizophrenia? Uh, schizophrenia. Yeah, you, yeah. You can't make sense of it because if he couldn't even make sense of himself, and uh, it was him. What was scary about that dude is like, uh, he would go like through a neighborhood, and he would like try a front door, and if it was locked in his mind, he wasn't welcome. But if it was, well, online, that's what they're saying because yeah. like with the vampires, the, like, like, yeah, because yeah. the vampires aren't supposed to enter unless they're welcome. Mm -hmm. 
Well, that's not the main thing for his name. But. Sorry, sorry, David. No, I was going to say, speaking of serial killers, one, you know, I, I I got an argument the other day on Facebook about this guy named John Wesley Harden. John Wesley Hart, dude. Yeah, John Wesley Harden. I, would, his... I need to give you a virtual high five just for knowing that name. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, he he's. I think he started killing people when he was sixteen, and by the time he was twenty-five, he killed forty men. Uh, They've wow. actually documented yeah. it. Yeah. Um, however, because he did it with a six gun on horseback with cowboy hat on, everybody just thinks of him as some wild west shooters. But I personally think he was a killer. Well, I, I talked yeah. to I talked to these two about do, I talked to these two about doing a serial killers of the old west, and that's how I found. Oh that. yeah. That's how I found that guy. And he, it was, would have been a contemporary of. Uh, who was the one at the white with the castle in a, um, at the uh, White Palace in Chicago? Oh, uh, H. H. Holmes. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. he would have been a contemporary of Holmes. Yeah. He died in the 1880s, same time period and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, what, but Harden just, I, he once shot a man in Dodge City because the guy in the next room was snoring too loud. And he oh wanted, my gosh. He said he just wanted to shut him up, but he shot so low he hit the guy in the head and killed him. Oh. Well, and that, mean, that brings up a thing is like in the Old West, you got to really think about, I'm going to use a quote unquote broad phrase, Old West, of like serial killers. Think about that for a second. Yeah. You know, like the that, lawlessness. Yeah, yeah I was just gonna say that would it would be so easy to be a serial serial killer back then, just because you could, there, you there, could there weren't laws. Cla- yeah, and you, you could, could get away sorry. with it. You could go from town to town um, if, if they're far enough apart, because they wouldn't really be talking to each other to know what you did. And by the time it caught up to you, you were yeah. already on to the next town. Well, like today, by today's legal standard of how you qualify a serial killer, Billy the Kid would have been a serial killer. Yeah, Bill Longley was another one. He was Bill Longley. Yeah, he. Uh, I think he killed. They think he killed about eight guys in his in his life. Um, you know, Confederate sympathizer, and just he wasn't right in the head. They said. I guess he was in the war one time. Took a blow to the head, and they said he was never quite right after that. Oh, yeah, that's actually absolutely. that's actually indicative of a ninety nine percent of serial killers is head trauma. So and he, uh, <laughs> he, ended up, he ended up dangling. They hanged him. Oh, did they? <laughs> oh wow. <laughs> Harden, like, on the other hand, Harden. Harden gets caught um, on his way to New Orleans. He gets caught in Louisiana, and detectives are on a train, and he sees them coming at him. He goes to draw his gun, and he wore shoulder holsters, and his he was wearing suspenders with the shoulder holsters, and the hammer of his Colt got stuck in the suspender. And so the guy just walked up and buffaloed him in the head with the pistol. Harden drops to the ground, he arrests him, and I think he does like 15 years in prison. Oh, wow. While he's in there, he writes his biography, uh, autobiography, <laughs> detailing every kill he has ever had. And there's oh, I need to read this. I need to read this. A first-person document, and he justifies every single one, of course. Oh, course. yeah. I'm not looking for his fault. <laughs> but, uh, Best no. 10 cents I ever spent. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, but, um, go ahead. So, so he gets out. Um, well, he's also, while in prison, he studies the law, and he gets out goes back to Texas and becomes a lawyer. Oh, well, wow. He, he's, a, he's still considered a really dangerous man. Nobody wants to mess with him because he's still, he's an amazingly good shootist. And um, uh, so, you know, people, but he never kills anybody after he gets out of prison. Um, but a lot of people, there, you know, he's just one of those people people avoid. And he gets in all sorts of crazy stuff. He's sleeping with his partner's wife and all oh sorts gosh. of other things. People just don't like him. And one night, and 
I want to say like 1894, he's in the Acme Saloon in El Paso, and he's playing dice with the bartender. And um, a guy named John Selman walks in, who is a former city marshal, walks right up to him, sticks a 45 to the back of his head, and just shoots it. Uh, oh, and wow. Picture if you get online, you can imagine see that scene of John Wesley Harden laying there, and there's a bullet hole. You know, you see the exit wound from the gun. <laughs> Killed Harden right on the spot. Harden just drops like a rock. No chance and, to think uh, about it. <laughs> and uh, they arrest Selman for first-degree murder because he, you know, and I've heard Selman, this. Yeah, yeah. Selman's defense at the trial was number one: Harden was armed. He had a shoulder holster with a Colts lightning in it, which meant he could have defended himself. And number two, there was a mirror behind the bar, and he damn well should have seen me coming. Uh, oh, I've, nice. heard, I've heard this story. <laughs> nice. Yeah, yeah. He damn John well should have seen me coming. Yeah. That, that's yeah. great. That's great. John uh, Selman went to trial, trial by jury, and was exonerated of the killing. Really? Uh, yeah, I really think it's just because everybody hated John Wesley Harden so much. They're like, oh, <laughs> fuck that guy. They're like, yeah, he, they should, he should have seen him coming. <laughs> I read a story about this crazy lady. Her name escapes me, so I won't get into her. But like, she went around and uh, shot a bunch of people in saloons because he was trying to get people to stop drinking. I, I, oh, I draw, I, I draw, what? Yeah, I draw a blank on her name. That sounds like something <laughs> that could go on right now. Yeah, Karen. Oh, yeah, but, uh, Karen. But... um. <laughs> I want. I, I, I want to. There was years ago. This might escape you, but uh, we talked about a shootout. Uh, where these guys were in a home, and you. T I remember you just telling me the story, and I was just so enthralled. At, like you were talking about how he burst out the oh. front door. Yeah. It, so actually, Dave's like, was, oh yeah, I know. Yeah. Go ahead. That was actually my um, the subject of my first book, and I, That's right. I read about I read about it um, in a. Marshall Trimble's book, and I don't have anything nice to say about him. He's the <laughs> official Arizona historian. Um, that's all I'll say. Uh, but anyway, I was, and I at the time I had really long hair, and, and probably down to my ribs. Oh, and wow. my sister's paging through this book and sees a picture of this, this sheriff from Navajo County or Shapacha County at the time. And she goes, Hey, there's a guy in here who looks just like you. So I read the little blurb and I'm like, this guy killed like four people in a shootout in Holbrook in like the space of a minute. And I'm like, how have I never heard of this? I've heard of Wyatt Earp. I've heard of all these gunfights and stuff like this. The guy's name was Commodore Perry Owens. That was his real given name. Commodore was his real <laughs> nice. name. That's um, awesome. <laughs> again, again, gangster shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he shows up in the Arizona territory probably about the 18th late 1870s, early 1880s, um, works as a cattle um, cattle manager. Um, eventually, in 1870, 1886, um, he's known as a really good shot, like an amazingly good shot. His weapon of choice is a Winchester 4560, which has a bullet about this big. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> well, and he, he, they said he was actually so good, he, you know, hit... Either hand, he was just amazingly amazing with a gun. So the Apache County, County Stock Growers Association decides to hire him because they're having a big rustler problem. And they figured, man, is this dangerous and this good a shot is going to scare these people off. Well, long story short, um, there's another guy named Andy Cooper who was, um, he was the half-brother of the Blevins family, your eldest half-brother, probably from a previous marriage. We're not exactly sure 
couldn't really figure out exactly where he ends up being a Cooper rather than a Blevins, but um, he was a he was a known killer, had at least at least four kills to his credit, and he was also a known wrestler. Stole horses off the Navajo, stole 125 horses off the Navajo reservation, and rode them through Holbrook in broad daylight. Oh, nice, <laughs> that's balls. Yeah, he's just reckless. Um, he's also involved in the Pleasant Valley feud on the side of the grounds, and that's a whole other story, so I'm not going to get into it. But, <laughs> now, you know why I love this guy? And just you ask him a question, and it's like it's like my mind is just like, keep going, David, I'm sorry. No, that's okay. Two days before the gunfight, um, we know that Andy Cooper was part of the Graham bunch that went after the Tewksbury's and killed uh, – Old man Tewksbury and a friend of his has a Tewksbury ranch. And actually, Tom Graham, who was in charge of it, Andy Cooper, after they killed him, wanted to go down and scalp him. And Tom Graham was like, okay, that's a little hardcore even for me. (laughs) (laughs) We're not not scalping him, okay. So Cooper goes back. His family's living in Holbrook. His his mother's got a house there. His father's disappeared. Um, His brother, Hamp Blevins, has been shot by the Tewksbury's. But they all go back to, he, he goes back to the house and he starts bragging around Holbrook that he has killed two of the Tewksbury's. And he's going to saloons talking about it like it's no big deal. <laughs> well, <laughs> Owens had a warrant for him, but it wasn't for killing anybody. It was for stealing horses. And he shows up at the doorstep uh, September 7th, 1887. This is a Sunday afternoon. The family, the Blevins family has just had dinner. And he shows up at the door and knocks on the door, and he's like, and Andy Cooper answers the door with pistol in his hand. Yeah, so, <laughs> he's ready. Pistol, really nice. Um, Andy's, a, Andy's and, a good shot. Yeah. Andy's yeah, a good shot. And, and, and you know, and, and Owens is like, uh, you need to come with me. I got a warrant for your arrest. And he goes, well, what warrant? He goes, well, I talked to you about this. It's a warrant for horse stealing. And Andy goes, well, wait a minute. Owen's like, no, I'm not waiting. Come on. <laughs> goes, well, I won't go. And Owen said it's a trial afterwards. He goes, so I shot him. <laughs> so, so I shot him. <laughs> I love oh, that. So I shot him. Yeah. Forty-five, sixty Winchester, and he shoots him in the guts. That's like oh. point, that's like point blank, right? Okay. That's point blank, right? Yeah, point blank. I mean, really. I mean, probably closer to you are Jake. Uh, oh, dude. It's gonna blow your spine Super out your back. Guts come out his back and explode all over his brother's wife and her child. Oh my God. This metal is fuck. Splattered. <laughs> Cooper goes down but manages to close the door. And the way the house is set up is there's a door here and there's a door here. So he closes this door and about a second later, this door pops open. And John Blevins, his brother, takes a 45 and probably about three to four feet. You can actually stand. The house still stands today, and you can stand on the porch where it happened. Takes a shot at Owens and misses from about. Oh man! Right you, how by did you miss that close? And, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> David, would you call that nerves? He rushed. Probably just he. If had you taken a half second more and aimed, he yeah, probably would have yeah, hit him. Yeah, 
and the gunfight would have been over. But instead, the bullet whizzes by and kills Andy's saddle horse, which is tied to a tree out in front no. of the house. Oh, no, not the horse. <laughs> not Betsy. <laughs> not Betsy. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's the, that's, that's the innocent victim, yeah. yeah the, not Betsy. Yeah. Not not the kid that got the guts all splattered oh, over. Now New- it's the horse. Paul <laughs> Newman's going to have my legs broke. <laughs> the horse is the collateral damage. <laughs> so... Owens cranks another one into the Winchester and shoots John Blevins through the shoulder. And John Blevins falls back, and he manages to ask, I don't know how these guys close the door after being shot, but they're both dead. <laughs> so Owens realizes he's in a pretty precarious position, standing on the porch of his house. There's a door here, a door here, and there's windows all around. So he backs off into the street, and as he gets to the street, he sees the guy jump out the window with a pistol in his hand. <laughs> the guy's name was Mose Roberts. We know nothing about him. He, we know he was writing a letter to his boss. We don't know where he came from, why he was in the house. Total random stranger. He was there. Wrong place, <laughs> wrong time. He jumps out the window, takes one look at Owens. He's got a pistol, and Owens is this forty-five, sixty. Um, needless to say, he starts to run. Owens doesn't care. Owens shoots him in the back. Uh. <laughs> the bullet hits him in the back, blows his chest out goes all the way through and sticks in a wagon wheel like 10 yards away. Oh, wow. Uh, oh. Robert stumbles around the back of the house, drops the gun, and crawls back in the kitchen and collapses on the floor, <laughs> trying to breathe through what's left of his lungs. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't uh, think that was very successful. What, what, was a, what, what was the weapon Owens was using again? It was a forty-five sixty Winchester. Okay, and, how, and it... So, um, what was its capacity for rounds? Do you remember? Uh, 12, 12 and one in the chamber. Thirteen rounds. Wow. And so, was it bolt action? Uh, lever action. Oh, so I mean, that means oh. that he could fire as fast as he could fire as fast as okay. it. Okay. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I know what you're talking about. Like dudes, I've seen dudes that can do that shit rapid fire. Oh yeah. So, yeah, I've seen guys that can do it like an AK. Yeah. Fast and hit. And, wow. and be on point, right? And yeah. like. Why I bring that specific question up is like we brought up a little bit about the competition quack the quack draw, the quick, quick draw. Quack draw, quack quack. You go quack, you go quack. But uh, I want to kind of ask what that experience is like. What do you train for specifically, like for quick draw stuff? Is it uh, is it like more hand eye coordination, like reacting to a stimulus, or is it just like yeah, basically a light goes off and you pull as fast as you can and try to hit the target. Nice. Um, there's two versions of it. One is the traditional fast draw, which is called that oddly, but it is guys with really low slung holsters who who basically, the guns are very customized, and all they do is kind of lift the whole gun out and wow. hammer back. Oh, that's awesome. And tie off the triggers so that all you have to do is hammer back. And you can, I've wow. seen guys who do it like less like just no time at all like in three tenths of a second kind of thing yeah. well is that something like let's say with like the low holster so like, like it's basically yeah. it's basically at arm's length right yeah basically at arm's length, kind of like the cops carry it now <clears throat> so is that something let's say like uh i hate to use the phrase like traditional old west fight <clears throat> but they like, would never had one if you got on your horse with one your gun would fall out Oh, see, that's, <laughs> there you go. see, that's my question because it didn't—it didn't make sense. Just to, for show, it, it didn't yeah. make sense in my when I intellectualized it. It didn't make sense, like riding on a horse. It was, just wasn't a thing. Yeah. So, so oddly enough, that is called the traditional one. There's also the cowboy fast draw, which is using more standard rig, a standard rig where it's up on your hip, and you're only drawing. You're not drawing with 
two hands and, and hammering like this. Yeah. You're just drawing with one and hammering and firing. Okay. And that's what I actually did. So it's actually, you're just like, because most of them, yeah, it's just one hand. And so it's a little bit slower, a little tougher. I think the fastest I ever did it was nine tenths of a second. <laughs> Wow. I think, well, I think that's the fastest. Remember, if anything happens, please give me a three second time to run first. Well, yeah. So say, say now, that. Now that sounds fast, but I know I, there was a little girl, 12 years old, who was on the team too. And that little girl could do it in like five, like half a second to oh six God. tenths of a second. Well, that's a little Annie Oakley right there. So to the near ass. So I hated that little girl. We have to. <laughs> <laughs> I hate her. Yeah, you, you kind of have to like give a caveat to the listeners. Like, think about that reaction time. Have you ever done anything that fast in your life? Like, maybe other than blink. Blink, yeah. <laughs> That's the, it, it's so I equate it to. Would you say, David, it's fair to say like muscle memory is a lot of it? Yeah, it, and even then, um, you know, you always see those. You've, we've seen the movies a million times where the two guys face up in the street. Right. Wow. Well, well. Yeah, they're twitching right next to their guns, and the one starts to draw, and the other one outdraws. So that's them. not the case. Not a fucking chance that would happen. <laughs> no I'm one's sorry. gonna. The, the thing about it, no one's gonna let you do that. Like if something's going on, they're not gonna be like, okay, guns wait a minute, noon. let's guns all go noon. walk in the street, and then we'll yeah. say one, two, three, go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, your reaction is going to be. Even if you're fast, and there's no such thing as fast drive, everybody's worried about being accurate, your reaction time is not going to let you, once you see him move, it's going to take you at least a second or two to realize he's moving and right. start your gun. By that time, he's out and shooting. <laughs> so whoever draws first shoots first, almost inevitably. There are guys out there who could probably do that custom fast draw thing, but those didn't exist in the old West. So what do you mean um, by custom is like, uh, I've seen some holsters like where the front of it wasn't there. Yeah. Basically the front's almost gone. Uh, the hammer of the gun, instead of laying back sticks up. So all you have to do is run your hand back. Fan over it. it. Yeah. And so they're just fanning off the shot. And usually they don't even pull the trigger cause it's wired down. Really? So using the hammer of the gun to turn the cylinder and fire. That's so. Oh, wow. So that would make it a uh, what's what's the phrase a uh, dual action? Is that? Yeah, it almost becomes a, a double action. Double okay, yeah. double action. Yeah, yeah. yeah. My it's my pops cool. was all into that. My pops was like because uh, my dad, you know, you know about my dad, but yeah. like I, I always showed him showed him your stuff, and it was, he kept telling, he's like, I want to meet that guy so bad. Like I know, I know, but it, like, because uh, you, you guys knew my dad. Yeah. Oh, your dad yeah, was and, awesome. And uh, my, I remember the first time I showed him my, my picture with standing next to David, and he's like, "Is that how he dresses all the time?" I was like, "Yeah, dad." <laughs> and, 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 and he's like, "That's pretty cool." I was like, "I know, dude." <laughs> so like, my my pops gave you a lot of respect too, because I talked to I talked about you a lot. But I remember one time in particular, just just pops into my head. This is so off topic. One time I lost my glasses, and David drove over here and helped me find. And he, we didn't find them that day. But I remember looking though. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, I was uh, I was suffering a lot from sleepwalking at the time, and I, my glasses were act, ended up actually in the bottom of my uh, closet. But yeah, that's neither here oh, nor there. Interesting. <laughs> it just popped into my head, and I had to tell the story before it was gone. I'm just glad you found him eventually. <laughs> oh, so anyway, yeah. speaking of stories, let me. I'll finish the Owens thing really quick. So Owens is standing in the street. He's now shot three people. Nice. And he he's looking through the front window of the house, uh, and he sees Andy Cooper moving. 
And he, at the trial, he said, so I shot through the house. He literally shot through the wall. He goes, I expected to hit him between the shoulder blades. He hit him in the thigh. Oh, and wow. I, yeah. And so, you know, and so he's out there. He cranks another one into the Winchester. And here comes Sam Houston Blevins, who was the youngest Blevins boy. He was 14 or 16 years old. We're not really sure. Um, with his mother coming out right behind him. And there's Jesse. I waved. I, I waved. She tried to run by without being seen, but I waved. <laughs> yeah, you were seen. <laughs> it was recorded. It's forever on the internet. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so the kid comes out. He's grabbed Eddie's Andy's revolver, and he comes out, screams something at Owens, and Owens goes, "I didn't hear what he said. I shot him." <laughs> and he, no <laughs> questions. Hit the kid right in the middle of the chest to hit him in the heart. Uh, oh wow! He basically, fell backwards right into his mother's arms. <gasps> so, oh wow! In the space of, I would say, a minute at a minute and a half max, he put four men down single-handed. And so Owens, Owens said at the trial, he goes, "So I stood there for a moment. Nobody else moved. So I put my gun over my over my shoulder, and walked down the street. He went back to the stable, like an old west." A hero in an old west movie got on his horse and rode out of town that's so bad oh my god so bad this house full of corpses <laughs> yeah. to, to re realize exactly how amazing this shootout was um besides the four men he shot and uh uh mrs blevins who was um john and Eve, john's wife was there eva blevins her child which is only like months old um, Amanda Gladden was in the house. She had been a guest for dinner, and she had two kids with her. So there was three kids and three women in the house in addition. And uh, they asked Artemisia Blevins, who was the youngest, actually the youngest Blevins child, and they're like, well, what did you do when it all started? She goes, I went and hid in the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. Yeah, I don't know where I would have been, but I wouldn't have been in the action, that's for sure. Yeah, so, yeah, this, and the amazing thing was is, you know, Owens was such a good shot that every every shot he fired hit something. Wow! Wow! Five, and they got off one. Huh. I mean, and yeah, it's just it was. And I mean, when you compare it to like the Earp brothers, where you have four armed men going against two armed men, yeah, it's not really much of a. I mean, no, it's, it's no comparison a, there. Um, although, in honesty, when I wrote the book, I was like. You know, Owens would have probably been better off just getting some guys from the posse in the town surrounding the house and saying, come on out. We got you. Yeah. Yeah. The whole thing. But after that, he never had to have another gunfight in his life. Yeah. Nobody nice. wanted none of that. Yeah. Can you <laughs> imagine that? They're just like, hey, you want to come out at no. Like, dude, he no, takes everybody out. No, I got an appointment right there. I, I, yeah, I, exactly. I, I think my wife's making dinner or something. Or, you know, I, I just can't be there. Tonight. Yeah. <laughs> Twisted my ankle yesterday. Games on. Really come out. There's no games. Yeah. <laughs> Something. <laughs> so is that that was that the story that I told you? Yeah, before? yeah, yeah. Like I, it's it sticks in my brain, dude. Like I, I think the first time the story came up was that we were at a comic con and like you and I were just standing at a booth and we were just like bullshitting, and like I remember standing next to you and like and you had your thumbs in your in your uh, waistcoat. And that's where I learned to do that. That's why I do that on my picture. I, I was like, oh, Dave's doing that. I should do that too. <laughs> <laughs> that's but it's like legit. In like all my steampunk pictures, that's why I'm doing that. But, 
Nice. So uh, one of the big things I wanted to talk to you about tonight was uh, I'm just so fascinated with this. Uh, let's just talk about the Bucket of Blood Saloon, dude. Okay. Yeah, so the Bucket of Blood. Um, actually, I ran. I found the Bucket of Blood. Well, I didn't find it, but... Um, <laughs> you came across it. Yeah, came across it when I was working on the book about Owens. And, uh, um, you know, I, I went to the house where Owens had the shootout. I went to the Navajo County Histor uh, Historical Society, which is in the old classic courthouse. And while I was there, a woman named Joe Lynn uh, Fox, who was the uh, Navajo County um, historian, um, said, did you know the original buildings are still down there, including like the old on the old rail, what well, used to be Railroad Avenue, later became Central Avenue, and it's now called Bucket of Blood Avenue. Oh, nice. Uh, oh, nice. Dude, I, I want to live on that. Yeah, dude. Yeah. What's really, what's really <laughs> cool we need to record on Bucket of Blood Avenue. We need to record on the Bucket of Blood one day. Oh, that'd be what, pretty what, badass. What's really funny is go into Google sometime, type in Bucket of Blood Holbrook, and do an image search. And there's a stop sign there that has a, you know, with a cross green things on the top. One of them says Bucket of Blood. And so many people have stopped. There's like literally 100 pictures of people have taken of that stop sign that says Bucket of Blood Street on it. Uh, oh, yeah. Well, people any... stop on their way to the petrified horse go, hey, look, Bucket of Blood, let's get a picture. Hey, you know. Well, like, <laughs> like any, any horror nerd would see that even if they didn't know what it was and be like, that's dope. Like, uh, I, I gotta... I'd stop. Yeah. I'd yeah, stop. Well, sure. you, you know, I'd make you stop oh, yeah, and take yeah. a picture of that. <laughs> so, uh, oh, yeah, so, good. But so there's a group of buildings down there. It's called the Henning Block. Um, on one side is uh, the old Scorsi Mercantile. Then there's the Pioneer Saloon, which is a pretty rough saloon in its own right. Um, then there was Watchers Drugstore. And the last building on this end was the Bucket of Blood Saloon. Originally, it was called the Cottage Saloon. And uh, so I went down there and took a look at them like god these buildings are so cool they're made of adobe um with a rock facing on them oh interesting and they have a, at the time they're the all pictures. now but at the time they still had the uh, the original window frames in them the window original door frames oh wow so they really, were really cool and i was just really so every time i went back to holbrook and i've been back many many times i went for wild west days and all all sorts of other things and uh I'd go visit these buildings because I thought they were really cool. And finally, recently, last, I was like, I, after, after doing so much work with the Historical Society, I wanted to do something to give back to them. And my thought was, you know, I'll, I'll design some T-shirts, and I will you know, give it to the Historical Society, let them sell them. Um, you know, 20 bucks a pop. Uh, the shirts cost like seven or eight to make. And I want they, one of those shirts, by the way. We can, we can do that. Okay. Um, we got a, so we got um, basically I'll, they could use the money, part of the profits to make more shirts and just, you know, basically just rotating and any money that they made up, 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 up and above that would go to the historical society. Oh, that's well, cool. this, cool, right? this idea of mine ended up blowing up into, well, if I'm going to raise money, why don't I raise money to save the bucket of blood? Oh, that's and, cool. That's and what I so, wanted to get into is uh, the it's like a fundraiser and I want to plug all of that. So yeah, so um, so I I founding a five hundred one c three corporation. The paperwork's with, uh, with the Arizona Corporation Committee right now, um, so that we can raise money to re 
basically they're old buildings they're 140 years old and there's they have some problems so what we're trying to do is raise the money to save first the bucket of blood and then the other three the bucket of blood of course being the centerpiece mm -hmm. and um, and so Holbrook will actually have a real old west saloon that that's was so actually, cool right that's uh, really and, awesome uh, yeah, this, this so, might this might be cliche David but I'm I've been for years wanted to ask you this like so Paint us a picture of what it would be like to walk into a saloon in, the, say, Arizona, like Southern Arizona. What would be a good, like, 1870? I just kind of want to, like, something like that. Yeah, 1870s. 1870s is still pretty rough out in Arizona. Um, the What really changes Arizona is the arrival of the trains. Um, the Southern Pacific comes in from California and cuts across the bottom half of the state goes through Tucson, Benson, all those places, goes into New Mexico and all the way across the country. Uh -huh. uh, the Atlantic and Pacific comes through the northern half of the state. It cuts through most of New Mexico, and then it hits Holbrook and all these places. Um, and that really changes what Arizona's like. Before that, it's a pretty rough and tumble place. Um, uh, but they still, you have to consider the Old West here was the Victorian era in the rest of the world. Oh, wow. That's a cool analogy. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, at Tombstone, uh, for example, um, the bar that is currently in the Birdcage Theater, which is the original, um, was sh shipped from New York City around South Africa or around um, South America up to San Francisco. The bar was put on a, put on a um, train in San Francisco, taken as close as they could get it to Arizona then put on a wagon and freighted all the way into Tombstone. Wow. And this is a huge mahogany bar with a huge mirror. Cool. Did not, they did <laughs> not break the mirror. No, um, uh, the same thing you'll see it if you go to the Palace Saloon in uh, uh, the, pal the Palace, well, the Palace Saloon in uh, Prescott has one. Um, the uh, Crystal Palace and Tombstone. All these places, some of the, most of these bars, yes, you did have tent saloons. Or put a, people put a plaque, a plank down, put a couple barrels of whiskey up, and just serve drinks right across it. But <laughs> nice. most of them aspired to once they got some money, they aspired to nicer places. So um, the, the Bucket of Blood was actually a fairly nice place, especially after they rebuilt it. Um, they had an amazing bar back in there. It was a pool hall too, so they had billiard tables. No shit. Um, well, that's and cool. all of this stuff came on the Atlantic Pacific Railroad. So when you walked into the place. It was pretty. It was pretty classy. Um, it wasn't. It wasn't that rough tumble look that you see in most of the cowboy movies. It was a pretty nice place. Um, the wallpaper, Wayne um, Scotting. Um, the front doors had glass in them. Uh, big glass oh, nice. balloon on them. Uh, red velvet curtains. I mean, it, it was classy joint. Uh, that didn't stop people from acting like well. Less than classy, <laughs> of course, as it would. But, yeah, but it, it earned that name somehow, right? Yeah. So, um, and as far as I can tell, so I, I went and did some research on it to find out what I was curious about is, and there was buckets of blood in pretty much every town from Chicago to Oakland, California. There was there's a famous one in Virginia City which still stands. There was one in Montana, in Texas, everywhere had a bucket of blood saloon. There was one even one in Pierce, Arizona, which a newspaper man joked about. He goes, well, I don't know why they call it a bucket of blood because as far as we know, not even a drop's ever been <laughs> 
Oh, nice. He, he, told me, he told me that story. That's what I was like. Uh. Yeah, it became one of those kind of catch-all names. And so I wanted to see if this was okay. Is this a later invention, like during the 1940s and 1950s, when they were trying to sell tourists on Route 66, hey, come see the Bucket of Blood, or was it really called that? So I went in and we did the research. Unfortunately, Holbrook didn't really have a newspaper until 1895, so we lose a lot of history in there. However, the first first gunfight, I'd have to check the date on this, that I have a recording of is in about the mid late 1880s. Um, Two sheep herders uh, came in from New Mexico, and the, the story got published in the Albuquerque Journal um, because it was such a big thing. They came in to sell their sheep, uh, so the story goes, and one of them was from a fairly respectable family in uh, Albuquerque. And they come in, they do their business, and they decide to go have a drink in the saloon. And they run into a couple other guys, uh, a couple cowboys. One of them was from the Hash Knife. I can't remember the name. Joe Crawford and I can't forget the other guy. Remember the other guy's name? And they sit down and play cards with the guys. Well, one thing leads to another. Argument ensues. People pull guns. I think all of them pulled out guns and started shooting. Um, oh my gosh! <laughs> oh my gosh! By the time the smoke clears, the two sheep herders are dead. One of the cowboys is gut shot, and the other one hauls his buddy out as best he can, throws him on a horse, and the guy dies. A little later. However, this is not the reason they call it the bucket of blood. It was still <laughs> the cottage saloon, which sounds so you know pleasant. <laughs> it was another gunfight in which a um, bartender, and this actually did happen in like 1893. Uh, bartender's at the bar. He's a part owner. He's leasing the place, and he sees this guy playing uh, what they used to call freeze out, which is a variation on poker and the guy orders a drink and so he he pours a drink walks up to deliver and he's like um bartender's name was donnelly and he's like well you know where's my cut from this game because usually if you're if you open a card game in a saloon and you could just walk in and open a card game usually you made a deal with the place they got 10 15 percent and else went to you and I mean it was totally legal gambling was completely wide open it was you know and uh, and he goes and the guy's like screw it you ain't getting nothing (laughs) my game and he goes well then drink your drink and get the hell out of my bar well they start arguing and the one guy says you know I'll break your back (laughs) he stands up gets out of his chair and Donnelly goes and says oh yeah he goes behind the bar and he pulls out a Winchester rifle cocks it aims it at the guy and realizes it has no shells oh, in it shit. oh my god <laughs> so he goes over and, and actually goes and gets shells and this other guy's still yelling at him telling him what a jerk he is son of a bitch and all this kind of thing and so he loads up the Winchester and finally people step in and go okay you two enough's enough this is getting crazy this doesn't have to end in bloodshed and so Donnelly's like okay I'll put down the Winchester, we'll shake hands, everything will be fine. So they do. Unfortunately, this other guy can't keep his fucking mouth shut. <laughs> and he he starts he so he goes back to the table and he starts harassing Donnelly about the gunplay. Oh, I don't know, I didn't do anything. You could pull a gun on me. You're a jerk. You know, oh my god. Donnelly's like, okay, I'm enough of you. Get the fuck out of my bar. <laughs> so the guy leaves the bar. Everything seems to be okay. And then the guy comes back through the door and starts <laughs> giving him more shit. And he goes, 
And and Donnelly's like, I'm going to kill you if you keep this up. He goes, well, go get your gun. And Donnelly's like, oh, I will. Still loaded, bro. Back out the door. Yeah, I just loaded it. (laughs) Yeah. Donnelly grabs the Winchester, walks out right behind him, and shoots him to death right on the street. Uh, Boom, right in the face. But what do you do legally at that point? Like, the guy said, go get your gun. Yeah, and yeah, it, and he was verbally, if you don't leave, well, especially I'm back then, the laws are a little bit less. Uh, yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, I, I think the guy, I think actually the the, the bartender, as far as I can tell, got off on the charge of shooting the guy because he'd been provoked. But yeah, um, yeah so yeah. after that, even even then, they the Holbrook papers like. Well, it's still the Condor Saloon. We're calling it the Condor Saloon. And Prescott and Flagstaff and all the airplanes to the Winslow. Oh, no, that's a bucket of blood saloon. <laughs> <laughs> so it's actually called that. And finally, a couple of years later, there's another incident. And and even Holbrook at this point, this point's given up. And they're like, yeah, another incident in the bucket of blood saloon. They're not even bothering with the cottage huh? anymore. <laughs> Unofficial name of the place. So, right. yeah. Uh, scratch out the name (laughs) yeah Yeah, so it's yeah so it's actually so it actually did earn the name while it was western saloon and well earned from what i can tell yeah wow Um, so i I always ever since i was a little kid i always like played cowboys and indians well i I played cowboys and it there was always something that i was like really into when i was really young then, like, I was... my, my grandpa did reenactments and um, so we were always into the going going into the western themes and um, rodeos my sister did barrel racing oh that's and, cool um, yeah. so we were kind of in that and my dad loves western so I grew up watching yeah. those and my and if it wasn't with my dad it was with my grandpa my grandpa liked him just as much right and if it wasn't that then it was war war movies like yeah. midway battle of midway is one of my dad's <laughs> favorite movies I remember I remember <laughs> having uh, the plastic belt and like the plastic holster and the gun with it. the the funny thing is the gun was like a almost pewter and it had the caps. Remember the caps? I was just gonna say we had, I had a cap gun. I remember <laughs> yeah. the cap gun. That's how Erica's deaf in one of her ears. Children of the eighties. That was our thing. Yeah, she held a she held a cap gun up to her ear and went. Poof. They they yeah uh, they literally oh. sold our parents toys with explosives in them. <laughs> oh dude, dude, there's so many toys that like if we they put out now like kids would just be dead. Like yeah. I like to think we were a smarter generation. So uh, uh, the funny thing is, is some of those old cap guns. I have a, I know a guy who's a who collects Western Americana, and this guy has a collection that should really honestly be in in a museum. I mean, he he has the money to indulge his passion, and uh, but he collects cap guns from the 1950s, and some of those things are actually worth thousands of dollars. Wow. Oh wow. I was amazed. He, he was showing them to me, and I was like, oh, they're cap guns. He's like, yeah, this is the Roy Rogers cap gun. Oh, this is worth $2,000 if you have any original pack And have the original packaging and the original holsters were somewhere about 10 And I'm just like, for a cap gun. They don't make toys like that anymore. No. Like, Mine was the, an orange one, like like a neon yeah. you know safety yeah. orange little cap gun and the one i, I got was that. from the uh the tank of verde swap meet oh, yeah. <laughs> i wouldn't be surprised if that no you know where it, I looked probably came? Um, it looked real um it's called pick and save oh yeah yeah oh yeah a lot of the funny thing is is you find like the nerf guns and stuff like that's what the steampunks use yeah they go, 
the thrift stores and then repaint them and refinish. Mm-hmm. Some of them, by the time they're done, are just amazing. You're For like, sure, right? Nerf gun. <laughs> <laughs> like uh, our friend, uh, mutual friend, uh, John Floyd. Uh, oh, I've yeah. shown you guys his images before. He does uh, the gentleman robot. He's so cool. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. 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 So, like that guy, I remember the first time he, like, I met him and he took his helmet off and I was like, "What the fuck, dude? How do you hear in that thing?" <laughs> yeah. and, and, and and he turns it upside down and, sh- and like the whole thing is he actually has microphones for like literal microphones for ears. Oh yeah. And oh, uh, yeah. and if he sh- if he shows you the inside of it, there's actually little speakers that are tied to those microphones so he can actually hear you talking to him. It's that's fucking, pretty it's, cool. It's like John, what the hell, dude? What? What? Why aren't you making spaceships, dude? <laughs> yeah, well, that man is just amazingly creative. I, oh I, right, yeah, yeah. His his builds are something to behold. I what mean, is his company? Is the Foundry? Yeah, the Foundry, and the, yeah, all they do is steampunk stuff. But he has like an eight foot wolf costume. Dude, so cool. He has back legs that move. Oh, um, oh dude, that's he, awesome. He, make, he makes yeah. like after the after the recording, I'll show you some of his stuff. But, like it's yeah, it's all cool. movie quality shit. Like all of it. Why isn't he going yeah. to the movies? I don't know what he does. Being a, a makeup artist. I don't really don't know what he does for a living. I I, I, he told. I know. He's, I think he's ex-military. That doesn't surprise I'm me. Not sure what he does now. And uh, ex-military does not surprise me. Yeah, and he his his wife his wife uh, Sabrina. His wife's just as into it as he is, but she always like when he does the wolf costume. She does a little red riding head steampunk. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's cool. They, always, you know, they, they tag team the things. She always yeah. makes me. She always makes me laugh because every time I see her, she calls me by my full name, and I don't know why. Hello, Keith Wayne. <laughs> like, yeah, like every time I see her, say, "What's up, Keith Wayne Lackey?" <laughs> okay, hi. <laughs> you know, I, and the, that. that's that's just her. That's just her thing, and I like. I think I like. I think it's endearing now. But like maybe it's because we met on Facebook, and that's probably just how she yeah, associated that, me. Yeah, that's exactly. Because right. <laughs> so, I always use my middle name. I always so that's. Yeah. What's up, Keith Wayne Lackey? <laughs> Hi, Sabrina. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you sent me a message the other day. You were watching some Asian horror movies. What were you watching? Oh, I don't know. I've been on an Asian horror movie kick lately. Dude, um, I want to hear about this because I'm a horror movie. Um, dude, some of yeah, theirs are brutal. Yeah, you know, people make a lot of assumptions about me because I write Western history, and you know, they assume I'm going to be sitting home. Uh, David's you know, like watch, an onion, watching John Wayne movies and listening to country music. By the way, I hate country music. Uh, dude, yeah. I just what, rather. What music have, do you like? Have, like? Yeah, knitting needles shoved into my ears and listen to that shit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, God, I remember what. What, uh, what type of music do you listen to? Mm-hmm. What type of music do you listen to? When I was younger, as a goth. <laughs> nice. Um, um, Sisters of Mercy, The Cure, Christian Death. Um, uh, also listened to a lot of the early metal. Um, now I listen to just about anything. I, I I have a theory that every band out there has done at least one song I like. Ah, I like nice. That. I like Dude, that. that. That's an awesome a, mentality to have. Yeah, yeah. I like I, that. Yeah, on my I even. I'm have, stealing that from you, just so you know that. Yeah, I have. And like, that's on recording, um, so. Um, <laughs> I have I have a, uh, a flash drive that's got just mega memory on it. So I just download songs like that and plug it in in my car. And I have everything from like Japanese traditional Japanese music to uh, Cradle of Filth. Nice. So. Uh, yeah. oh, nice. <laughs> but, nice. Uh, one of the things that I was super flattered by is uh, they went on a road trip a couple months back and listened to our show on the road trip. 
Oh, I, yeah, it was, that was I was cool. Yeah, the asylum one. That was cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. Too. I forget which one it was, but yeah, we listened to two of them, and so the you, the asylum one, I in that one, like her and I had a rough time going through it because we uh, kind of identify with a lot of people involved. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, so we had a hard time getting through, but both, like, all three of us were really proud of that. Yeah, I was really proud of those um, episodes. Yeah, I was, no, it was an amazingly good show. Yeah, we switched off between you and Black Mass Appeal. So. There you go. There you go. Nice. That's a good fit. Nice. Good fit. That's, I think that's, so. That's, that's right where we go. So, oh. what, what are some of your favorite, like, uh, Asian horror movie titles right now? Um, I'm trying to think of what I watched last. I watch a lot. I like watching foreign films. I, I yeah. basically, I, my well, Asian's a broad is, term, though. A, for, a foreign film gets made and actually makes it to the u.s it's got to be fairly good right yeah, yeah. yeah we don't, we don't get their crap and you know it's like <laughs> uh, so and like i said yeah we don't get their crap i like that yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I try and and every day on my on my facebook page i change the uh background um uh, my the screensaver yeah thing i see that every day yeah a different movie that i've watched i've watched all of those movies that's why i um, asked you that because it was like it's every day i was like okay i've got to ask them what all these are because i've never seen any of these yeah, today was Delicatessen, a French, uh, bizarre little French movie, which is kind of like a dark comedy. Um, is it's yeah, it's guy's magician. At one point, the girl walks into his room and there's like head, his head is on a platter, and she kind of looks at him like, "What are you doing?" He goes, "It's my newest gig." You know? <laughs> <laughs> Here's his head sitting on a platter. You think it's been cut off? It's like, but yeah. So I, I like. Um, trying to think asian horror movies i like battle royale i saw that was funny oh that's a good I one seen that. I seen oh, that. watch yeah. it oh yeah um tokyo gore police oh if i've seen have, that i've it, seen that yeah yeah that, that was just too bizarre it was great um the suicide club which is uh i think it's made in the 90s it is one dark little film yeah. um i want to yeah, say i've I, seen it but i can't yeah. remember yeah it, it starts out it starts off with a very um, subway platform, and about 40 schoolgirls are sitting there holding hands, chanting, and they jump in front of the subway. Oh, wow. Ladders on. That actually yeah. sounds familiar. But I, I went on a kick before where I was watching all of the Asian ones because of the, the ones that they're producing out in America for like the last few years have not been that great. Yeah. Um, no. And there was one, it was, uh, it was like death A to Z or something like that. And so every letter of the alphabet, they, they played out an, a scene of how someone would die. And it was super brutal. I don't remember if it was Korean or Japanese or yeah, what, but Korean, it was pretty good. Yeah, the Koreans are doing some really good stuff, too. Mm -hmm. I said some really good Korean horror. Um, and I just, sorry, the names escaped me right at the moment. I'm getting a little tired. We can pull it to an end whenever you're ready, brother. Just, uh, uh, I, I, no, I just like talking to you. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's, so I've been watching a lot of that and I just, I just got, uh, I subscribe, subscribe to like, you know, the various movie channels I have, I have Amazon, unfortunately, nice. the low budget one that they do. And then I'll see like, Oh, this movie's on this one. I'll wait until I collect a bunch of movies that are like all on, a, you know, one of the other channels. And then I will go and subscribe to that channel for like a month and watch all the movies. Wow. <laughs> that's the way to do it, man. That's, that's the way to do it. Yeah. So, yeah, then I go to the next one. And so right now I think the one I have is movie. And, Movie's uh, good. It's pretty inter weird, interesting stuff. And uh, but like I said, just the top of my head, I'm not coming up with anything. Yeah. So. 
Well, like in all honesty, a lot of uh, really popular American horror movies are adaptations of a uh, Korean or uh, J- Japanese movie. Well, uh, the Ring was, the Ringu, wasn't it? Yeah, it was yeah the Ringu. Ring. And I'm drawing Actually, a blank. I had a whole list in my head, and I was like, I was like writing them down, and I fucking lost track. But <laughs> oh yeah, we yeah we steal everything. I mean, like uh, Let the Right One In became, uh, which is a really great movie. Let the Right One In. I haven't seen that. Oh, it's a Norwegian vampire movie. There's an American oh. version of it. Don't watch it. Watch the Norwegian one. <laughs> okay. You just don't watch it. Yeah. Um, it's good advice. Yeah. And, uh, but it's weird that, you know, this isn't a new thing. In fact, actually, speaking of Sergio Leone and the Spaghetti Westerns, the very first Spaghetti Western usually acknowledged was a fistful of dollars. Oh, hell yeah. Which was a ripoff of Yohimbo by Akira Kurosawa mm-hmm. and Akira Kurosawa which it is basically the exact same plot a lone, a lone samurai slash gunman walks into town two families are fighting and he starts playing them off each other mm-hmm. and at the end everybody ends up dead and he, he gets rich and uh, but it's exactly the same plot Kurosawa sued Leone really because he'd ripped him off and then if you go but if you start looking at it like magnificent seven is oh yeah i was just thinking that yeah. it's seven samurai ripped off yeah it wasn't mm-hmm. except they got permission for that one um but there's a lot of those old westerns are like that where they actually they just adapted, <laughs> adapted and adapted japanese samurai movies and other things like that it's like yeah so this has been going on a very long time yeah, it's horror movies have become you know the genre yeah ringu and uh, there's a couple other uh the Eye. That was another the Eye. One. Yeah, I'm yeah. familiar with that one. That, I think Jessica Alba was in the American version. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. There's so there's yeah. There's quite a few of those movies like that. But yeah, I'm, I'm a. I, I worked in video stores for years, and I've watched a lot of movies. <laughs> you ever see? Including some that I would not recommend to anyone. <laughs> <laughs> you ever see? Unless, that? unless you're feeling really masochistic, and then go through the old John Waters films. Um, like pink flamingos, um, yeah, um, yeah. Pink flamingos was, I think, came out in the early '80s. Um, it starred Divine, who, um, and um, if you could, I think Casa Video probably has it. Uh, you can rent if it anybody there. Does, they do. The ending scene in it will make you gag. Oh. <laughs> you, it makes her gag. Divine when she does it, and you're like. Is she? Oh my God! She just did that. Oh my God! <laughs> <laughs> it's right. It's Gigi Allen kind of shit. It's Dude, well, Gigi Allen. That's all I gotta say is Gigi Allen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's that kind of stuff. Yeah. So. Did you um, ever see the French horror movie called High Tension? No. Uh-uh. Dude, it's one of my favorite horror movies. Period. Uh, uh, I don't want to ruin the movie for you. That's because I want you to watch it. So yeah, just it's a French horror movie called High Tension. I'm, I'm, High tension. Okay. yeah, it's um. These two women get attacked by a serial killer, and the way it plays out is just phenomenally written. Like, if I give you any clues, I'm going to ruin the, the ending, and that would make me that would make me a ruiner. Speaking of horror movies, usually they've tried it a million times, and horror movies rarely work in a western theme. There are exceptions. I want that though. I want that. Um, I want that. Uh, High Plains Drifter is a ghost story. Hmm. Oh, yeah. No, no shit. No. Yeah. Oh my god. Sorry. <laughs> um, and there's a couple others that are good, but I saw one about two years ago called Bone Tomahawk. 
and it's got Kurt Russell in it. They had they had some money for it. It is it works. It works yeah. too well. Nice. It is <laughs> yeah. It's another same thing. Just watch it. It's a western yeah. horror movie that works. There and you're just like and there, there's a scene in yeah, there that. that yeah yeah you will. Um, for the males here, you will cringe. <laughs> oh, oh I, okay. Yeah. You will cross your legs like a, a six-year-old girl in church. I, I, saw, <laughs> I saw a real cheesy one. I saw a real cheesy one called "The Gallows" with uh, Wesley Snipes. Yeah, that must have been old. No, I'm just kidding. It was like it was like 2010. I think it was like 2010. But it was a go- it was a monster movie basically. But he was the guy that got hung and it didn't kill him. Blah 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 blah. <laughs> Ghosts. Blah blah blah. blah. <laughs> but yeah that's about all it, that's you get the gist of it there was a good uh, one i saw that was a japanese one about the the suicide forest hmm. but i don't remember what it was called but that one was creepy yeah i think they tried to remake it do an american remake one because i saw one for suicide Forest that that we did it was okay but the one the japanese one was creepy the japanese take horror to a whole nother level oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> Unfortunately, I saw was a Ringu where the girl comes out of a television set. Yeah, I saw yeah. the American version first, and then I saw a Japanese version later. And the way she does that pop thing mm-hmm. and she comes out of the Japanese made it a hundred times creepier. Uh, <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. I saw that one alone. Yeah. That was a really big mistake. I should not have watched that one alone. I was so scared. I remember after the movie was over, I went and I turned all the lights on in the place. And I was Don't like, answer the phone. Don't answer the yeah, phone. Yeah, no, I just turned on music and was just sitting there like, okay, okay. <laughs> my favorite movie of, or, yeah, I, I gotta say my favorite movie of all time is Evil Dead 2. Or, or Army of Darkness. Kind of, the, the Evil Dead movies are hilarious. That's, yeah. That's my like, Dan Raimi had a great sense of humor. Yeah, it's like if I ever met Bruce Campbell, I would probably like fangirl out and be like, ah! Shop smart. Yeah. S like, smart. We'd be like, do you know who you are? <laughs> <So> <laughs> that's probably what would come out of my mouth. And he'd probably call me a silly name and walk past. Actually, uh, Sam Raimi made a, made a Western way back in the day. Oh, that's right. Quick uh, uh, and the Dead with Sharon Stone. That's and, right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Sam Quick and the Dead. With, uh, yeah. I remember the poster is Sharon Stone's all holding guns like that, being all small. Leonardo, Leo's in it, Leonardo DiCaprio, and he's really, really young. Huh. Yeah, I don't Dean, know. Dean Ackman's in it, and I want to say they, oh, here, uh, local history, they filmed it in Mescal. Oh, wow. And they blew up half of Mescal when they were done with it. Everything <laughs> like, <laughs> is Mescal blowing up. You get to see the whole place go. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Because they actually they wanted to film it in Old Tucson, but, but then Old Tucson had burned. So uh-huh. they, had, they so Mescal got built to replace Old Tucson because Old Tucson was charging way too much to film in a place that wasn't even existing anymore. So Yeah. yeah. But that's a whole nother story. Yeah. <laughs> well, like uh, we'll we'll bring it here to a close here in a sec. But one thing I want to say is like uh, I remember when because uh, like I said, Evil Dead's like my favorite movie of all time. And then when the first Spider-Man movie came out, and I found out like it was Sam Raimi was directing it, I went into it with these like um, unreasonable expectations because because it's Spider-Man, my favorite thing in the world. Evil Dead, my other favorite thing in the world. This better fucking blow my shoes off my feet. 
and and I was yeah. just, you know I still I went and saw it in the, the theater like seven times I can't lie but <laughs> so, <laughs> so you, what you're saying your is it blew, it blew my shoes off my feet it blew my shoes off my feet okay yeah. all right <laughs> so uh, David uh, I want to thank you for your time man we've been looking forward to this for a long time yeah we really yeah. have this was actually quite fun yeah like I told you didn't I tell you that I told, I told him I told him I told him before we started recording he's like everybody I do this with like 20 minutes in they tap me on the shoulder and say this is fun so. and I was so freaked out the first time I was like I, I don't know if I can do this man <laughs> so uh, before we let him go let's plug his website again any any of your new books coming out like a, what oh, yeah um, uh, my next book um, this will be my third one and there's been articles and stuff in between uh, actually I just had an article published in the tombstone epitaph um, about the bucket of blood, the stories I told you, and but my next book is on the um, uh, outlaw Augustine Chacon, who, according to Marshall Trimble, who um, uh, killed fifty-three men in his career. Wow. Um, That's so awesome! Uh, <laughs> yeah, that would make him the most prolific killer in, you know, that would put him way up here on even on by Western standards, he'd be the most prolific mm -hmm. and up there with the highest serial killers yeah um, i've got some numbers i could throw at you if you want me to i can yeah i can like do that i can do 600? that well yeah, uh, i was going to talk about uh american serial killers mm -hmm. uh gary Woodway is at 67 Damn. uh john wayne gacy was 39 oh 47 so but for the time this is fucking outrageous yeah, numbers crazy. for the time that what he's talking about is outrageous numbers well yeah, that's outrageous no matter what yeah, Chacon starts his career with a botched burglary in eighteen or eighteen late eighteen ninety mid eighteen nineties, and then he disappears for five years. But every crime in Arizona territory gets blamed on him. Uh, oh. The body count just keeps climbing and climbing. I mean, anybody got slaughtered, and if it was done by anybody they thought was Mex who was Mexican, um, they blamed it on Chacon. I have no idea why, um, except the fact that he had a really cool name. <laughs> <laughs> um, in fact, it got to the point that they would say, they would look, they dropped his first name completely and just said, Chacon, and everybody. <laughs> Chacon. It sounds like loading a gun almost. Um, Chacon. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, so I, I, I ran across him while doing another, another book on train robberies. And I ran across the story, and I'm like, I gotta write this. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta know more about this guy. And so, uh, so I did. And so that that's actually due out in August. So nice. Um, yeah. You want to have me back then? I will well, be well I, you beat me to it. I was about to say, I think from uh, <laughs> I, I think from us and the entire fan base of our show, like uh, you're almost an honorary member, brother. <laughs> so, like we just sat here right now and got. I mean, I get coffee next time. Yes, you do. Like, uh, <laughs> like we just sat here and got. We just sat, sat here and got taken to school. That was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, dude. Uh, anytime that you want to come on and just shoot the shit with us, uh, dude. Yeah, like, like I said, you. you're. You're part of the family when it comes to this, dude. This is awesome. Yeah, wow, this man. has been great. I've really, I, enjoyed, I really enjoyed talking to you. Yeah, like, and we've all we've all got a really strong passion for history. Like all mm -hmm. the and the really interesting thing about us, why I think this show is so interesting to me, is all three of us have this like laser focus in different directions mm -hmm. about history. Mm -hmm. So that's what makes it really fun. You like, it's yeah, 
Yeah. <laughs> I, I, love, I love listening to it. And like I said, we switch off between you and uh, you and Black Mass Appeal. And <laughs> you know, everything, everything from where we are up here in the on the rim on the rim, everything is at least an hour away. Yeah. So we have plenty of time to listen to podcasts. Yeah. After all, you get sick listening to your own music. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what one uh tooting my tooting our own horn here uh for your next drive i recommend her last episode of elizabeth bathory i think it's right up your alley oh i love miss bathory yeah like, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah i've had a passion for learning about her for years yeah as soon as i heard about her i was like oh no i gotta go read about this yeah, yeah. <laughs> have you seen the julia julie delpy movie with her i, don't know. I didn't even her. know that existed i didn't know that existed yeah. Yeah, it's called Blood Countess. Um, I think it's on Amazon, and I think I watched it for free. Um, oh, nice. wow. Yeah, it's Julie Delpy uh, directed it, um, directed it, starred in it, wrote the music for it. I oh, didn't wow. realize this girl had this kind of talent. Yeah. She was, it's, And it's a good little film. Historic accuracy, eh, yeah. But it's, um, and, and they don't go too much into, you know, it's not like, a, it's, it's not exceptionally gory. Um, it's more telling the her story um, than going for the gore, but it's it was pretty good. I recommend yeah. it. It's worth nice. Watching. I'll so definitely it, have to check that out because um, it it was interesting doing the research for her because so much of it was lost over time, and and most of what people knew is the folklore. You dispelled a lot of myths. Yeah, sure. yeah, because there, there's a lot about her that people didn't know. Because I found a book that was um, sixteen of her own handwritten letters. Oh, wow. And so I got to read what she actually that was, was so cool. writing <laughs> at the time. And, and it was a business. She was a businesswoman. And she, mm. when her husband passed away, she ran that estate. And yeah, she was doing bad stuff. But to be fair, so was everybody else back then. Well, they, so, got, they got her started early. Too. Yeah, and, and she got started early. She, she was just set up to be what she was. She only made the news because she was her first dad. Yeah, I'm trying yeah. to remember there was... There was uh, there was a, some some I forget who it was, but they were invading this walled city, and the walled city sent envoys out um, to negotiate. And I forget who the who the conqueror was, but he put the on envoys on his trebuchets and threw them against the wall. <laughs> 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 like, that's just hardcore. I mean, yeah. yeah. So, in that time period, it was so much. Yeah, I mean. This was kind of standard practice when you know of doing crazy, crazy, brutal things. Yeah, yeah I mean, it, it wasn't too far before that. It was Vlad the Impaler, mm. and, yeah. and he he's an, he's another one I wanted to do a podcast oh, on. So I'm, I'm excited to get into that after doing her. Do they know where her grave is? I heard it was lost, or they're um, not really. They buried her at her one of her estates, and then mm. they they exhumed the body later on, and then buried her at a different estate. But then supposedly so many years ago, 15 years ago or something like that, they uh, tried to to look up the remains and, and lifted the sarcophagi or whatever, and there was nothing in there, supposedly. That's creepy as fuck. Yeah, but that's, that's the whole, you know, quote-unquote, there was nothing in there. That's creepy as fuck. But, you know, I mean, it's been so long. Who knows if, if some someone didn't rob the grave over time or yeah. something like that, you know? But, yeah. Uh, this kind of reminds me of the, the one last one is the Doc Holliday's tomb in uh, Glenwood Springs. There's this huge gravestone, and Doc Holliday has pictures of six guns on it, <laughs> and it's really fancy. 
But if you read the thing carefully, it says, Doc Holliday is buried somewhere in this graveyard. <laughs> we don't know where, but... That's so cool. So we got a big-ass gravestone, but... He's like, he's here somewhere, we we, we're pretty sure. <laughs> That's uh, Mozart. That's really cool. Yeah. Mozart yeah. was was buried yeah. in a pauper's grave because he um, drank himself to death. Oh, he did? I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah poor yeah, guy. Doc Holliday at the time was a nobody. He really wasn't famous until many years later when Wyatt Earp wrote his book and then they started making the films. And so Doc Holliday was really pretty much forgotten until Wyatt Earp made a name for himself and Doc Holliday got on the bandwagon. But it's kind of like the um, the uh, uh, Boot, Boot, Hill, Boot, Hill, Boot Hill Cemetery and Tombstone. They know the graves are there, but they don't know where they are. <laughs> so oh. All the mounds of rocks are just mounds of rocks. Just and representing they won't... Ooh, their Oh, that's fucking yeah. wicked, too. <laughs> I like that. So, and they will not let them bring in a sonar machine and go through it and find out where the bodies are because they would have to close it down to the tourists so they'd lose money. Mm. And Tombstone is very small-minded. So, yeah. yeah so, um, yeah, so the... The bodies are in there, but um, John Clum, when he went back to the first Hell Dorado days in the 1920s, his wife was buried there. She she'd actually died of natural causes. And he went looking for her grave and he couldn't find it. Oh, oh that's, that's it's just an empty plain. And he goes, "What tombstones were still there were just so rotted away you couldn't read them," and that's what he said. And so yeah, but you know they turned it into a tourist trap. So. Wow, what a, situ- oh what a situation! So yeah, if you go there again, just remember. Yeah, you might actually be walking on the body. Pay, pay, wow. <laughs> That's where you don't want to be when the apocalypse happens because you don't know where they're going to come up and grab you. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, no, that's the safest spot because they've already gotten up and left. So that's yeah. your safe spot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then, of course, some of them are fake, like John Heath's tombstone, uh, which is a big one. He got hanged after the Bisbee Massacre, which is my second book. Um, he is actually his... Uh, his um, Parents came and got his body and took it back to Terrell, Texas. Oh. Um, he's not there, but they have a huge, big old tombstone for him there. So, <laughs> nice part of the history, and they want to sell it. Yeah, so. Keith Lem, he, uh, he yeah, let, I, they borrowed. That's I, I enjoyed reading that one, that dude. I, really I, I I hammered through the book and was like, read this before we talk to him. <laughs> <laughs> I purposely yeah. didn't read it because I wanted to be able right. to ask questions and, and yeah. be that that. Um, kind of person who would also be on the podcast to be able to yeah. ask questions and kind of get that inside info well, you know and it's uh it's like i said dude we uh share your passion for history we're just like laser focused in other directions and it's it's an honor to get your input on this on the stuff for your okay, so uh, stuff that you're yeah. after so both you read it do you think heath was guilty or innocent oh man see i <laughs> He definitely knew. He definitely had. He had. He knew something was up, you know. But I, yeah, I don't think I, he was there. I, I don't think he, he knew was the there. guys. Yeah, yeah. I don't think he. I don't think he was a part of it. They. They all said he wasn't. Uh, right? But you. You get on that stagecoach to do the Tombstone tour. They'll tell you, he was the one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And every time I do, I just want to like toss the guy off the tomb. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Well, yeah, well, uh, feel free to reach out to us pleasure. anytime. Thank you. thank you all so much for having well, me. It's been a pleasure well, for Thank us. you for coming Absolutely. on. Definitely appreciate it. Yeah, and like I said, uh, we're going to plug all your stuff. And, dude, it, thank you. Yeah. Okay, yeah. When you send me a link, I'll send you a few yeah. other things. Yeah, yeah I'll, get, uh, I'll actually probably have everything edited within the next, like, hour or so. Yep. So. Okay. I will be in bed by then, so maybe. I'll just I'll just send I'll I'll just send it to you. It, it's been a true pleasure, brother. It really has. 
but yes, thank. And if I make it down there between now and when I go to Bisbee, uh, we'll do this again and we'll do it live. Excellent, oh, excellent, wow. yeah, excellent. that'll be great. Really fun. Excellent, thank you, man. Most stuff. Thank you. We'll talk thank to you, you soon. All right, you. have a good night.